It happened again. History ought to teach us by now that the Dodgers are not going to win a World Series with the current makeup as they are right now. It happened again. That's like seven years in a row they've had a heartbreaking exit from the postseason. And I don't know how many years in a row that is for Kershaw. But we're going to break it down for you. We should have an answer by the end of the show. Tanner Hoops with you in the sports pen. Jake Duran of Local 3 in with me per usual on Thursdays. What's up, Jake? You know, just trying to get through the week. Um, feeling a lot better than Kershaw probably today. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for Kershaw. I tell you what, he's one of the good guys in sports. He really is. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was trying to think of somebody today, somebody who is that level of dominant during the regular season. But then they get to the postseason and it all just falls apart. And I can't think of a comparison throughout any sport. Like you think of somebody who has had great regular season success. They are uh, all generational talent, but they don't get it done in the postseason. And you know, like Barry Sanders was a Hall of Famer, generational talent. It's not that he didn't have postseason success. It's that his teams were always so bad around him, he was hardly ever there. I think Mike Trout's legacy could very well be that way. Maybe Connor McDavid. But I can't think of anybody throughout any sport that is that good as Kershaw is during the regular season, and then they just fall apart in the postseason. The only one that I could think of, even coming close, was early Peyton Manning. Peyton early in his career, because at one point, he had no Super Bowl titles and a losing record as a quarterback in the playoffs. And again, I don't consider win-loss a QB stat, but QBs certainly factor into a lot of it. And he's about the only comparison I can think of as far as to what you could say about Kershaw right now. I just, I, I can't think of anybody who's like this. You know, just off the top of my head, um, you talk about early Peyton Manning. What about, like, it's a smaller sample size because this guy hasn't been in the NBA for, for quite some time. And um, actually, just he just won a NBA championship. But Kyle Lowry, um, the way his, his play diminished, mm-hmm. you know, during the regular season, those Toronto Raptors teams for a couple of those years prior to Kawhi getting there would blow through the regular season, be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. But then, for some reason, when, when the playoffs rolled around and the pressure kind of you know, went up a notch. Kyle Lowry seemed to to not be off his game a little bit. The stats weren't there. You know what I mean. So those few years, I know it's it was just a few years, and now he's an NBA champion. So you can't really hate on the guy now. But um, to the point where people were talking about it all the time, like where's Kyle Lowry? What mm-hmm. what has happened to this guy in the postseason? I think maybe him. That's just off the top of my head. But yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to compare. I thought you were gonna say Jeremy Lin. What? The pride of Harvard, <laughs> Jeremy Lin, when you said NBA champion oh, as of this year. I mean, no, I mean, <laughs> I haven't really paid attention to Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin and Clayton Kershaw are not on the same wavelength, let's no. say that. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing. Kyle Lowry, he wasn't like super dominant, but he was a better player. He was like an all-star type of player where he would just kind of kind of break down and, and go in a corner and, and cry when the playoffs rolled around. That's, that's all. I mean, what is the bigger storyline from yesterday? Because I don't know... If anything on a given day could top the Cardinals scoring 10 runs in the first inning going on to beat Atlanta 13-1, to and really they shouldn't have had any runs in that first inning. There should have been a double play that got Atlanta their first two outs of that inning, and then they should have been out of it without much else of a problem. But that just spiraled out of control and St. Louis cruised. But then later that night, Walker Bueller turns in an absolute gem. I mean, he gave L.A. as good a chance to win as anybody. Now dueled Strasburg. And then Kershaw comes in. And it's weird when you have a player that dominant, a guy who has an ERA in like the ones before the sixth inning of any regular season game. But then 
through six innings in the postseason, his ERA is over 12. I mean, that is historically bad. That's historically the worst in all of baseball. And Dodger fans, I don't think we're happy to see him come in because we knew this was going to happen. Everybody was saying, don't put him in, Doc. Don't put Clayton Kershaw in the game because we know what's going to happen. We've seen this story before. And what does Doc Roberts do? He puts Kershaw in the game. So I tell you what, there is a little bit a little bit of blame to go on the managerial staff as far as the L.A. Dodgers. I said last year when they extended him, they're content with National League pennants and not World Series because if Doc Roberts couldn't win a World Series with last year's squad, he's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And the Heat's really got to start coming on him, and most of it's going on Kershaw, but Roberts deserves a lot of blame for last night's loss. Right, and you know, prior to coming here to the to the station, I I watched Kershaw's interview after after the game, and he's obviously saying all the right things, taking all the blame and things like that. But yeah, I mean, he was put out there maybe in a time where he shouldn't have been put out. Maybe call it a, a little bit of stubbornness mm-hmm. um, by the manager there in L.A. But but I mean, t- to go out there needing to get what three outs and mm-hmm. then to kind of just to crumble like that with already the history. I mean, you you can't tell me that that wasn't playing in his head when he was walking out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you try to say yes, I'm going to kind of block out the past. You know, in the in the in the blunders of of the past, but walking out there that has to be kind of a mental thing. And then obviously when you see that first home run go, and then it's kind of like uh oh, like what's what's really yep. happening here? Um, and and it's just it's unfortunate because like you said, Kershaw's been one of the most dominant pitchers we've seen. Um, and you know he's obviously won many uh, personal titles and things like it, personal achievements. But man, talk about just another year where this LA Dodgers team like that has to wear you down mentally. Where you you mm-hmm. climb the mountain, you climb the mountain, you get so close, and then in epic fashion, um, it all comes crumbling down. You fall down the hill. It was crazy because if you logged on to Twitter at around what six six thirty, yep. you would your t- feed would have been. Everything about the Braves and just how they choked it all away and how do you score 10 runs, you know, that's like dropping 50 on a, in a football, mm-hmm. 50 nothing halftime score. Um, we've never seen this before. No. And then I wake up this morning and it's all about the Dodgers blunders. Oh, you didn't stay and, up and, for and it. Kershaw. No, I didn't. I didn't, oh. I didn't tune in. Um, um, so I woke up and I was just kind of like, wait, what, what happened? Kershaw did it again. So two epic fails yesterday in baseball. Mm-hmm. And you hate to see it, but you love to see it as well. I mean, uh, Yeah. I feel bad for Kershaw because he is one of the good guys out there. He's just a good guy in addition to being a good pitcher. But it's got to be something mental, doesn't it? Because I don't know anyone that dominant in any sport during the regular season. And he goes to the playoffs and looks like he absolutely doesn't belong there. Like It has to be something mental. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, like like I said... With everything that has happened, it builds up, and that pressure continues to build. And then it's when people start talking about, "Hey, there's a trend here." When when the postseason rolls around, the, mm-hmm. the performance goes down, and and the more and more you hear that, you could kind of psych yourself out. It's kind of like if I go on TV and I have like a bad night, where mm-hmm. you know I mess a couple things up, you know I, I mess up a couple names or something like that, or then it start it happens again, mm-hmm. and then it's now I'm thinking about it like I want to go out here and have a perfect show, so now I'm putting extra pressure on myself to go out there and try to have a good show without any mistakes and and things like that. So, excuse me. <coughs> so I'm thinking, yeah, it has to just be mental and and uh, 
you know, that's hard to break, especially in, in baseball. Well, you brought up a great point, and that's that another year, same story for the Dodgers. This year, they lose in the NLDS to Washington in five games. Last year, losing in five to Boston uh, in the World Series. Lost the World Series to Houston in seven and 17. 16, they lost to the Cubs in the NLCS in six games. 15, they lost in the Divisional Series to the Mets in five games. 14, they lost in the Divisional Series to St. Louis in four games. And 13, they lost to St. Louis in the Championship Series in six games. Is the Dodgers' window closed without a major rebuild? Is their window for a World Series closed? You know, it's it's hard to say. Obviously, they've been really consistent, and, you know, there's going to be moving parts, and, and it's not going to be exactly the same team, a team that went on to win 106 games this year. But, mm-hmm. but when you lose something like that in that heartbreak of fashion, and like I said, year after year getting to a certain point and not being able to, to get it done, even if it was cracked a little bit with a type of loss like that, that could really shut the door mm-hmm. um, just because of the mental and, and the epicness of how it how it ended. Um, I still think the Dodgers still might have another go in them at least, but it's tough, man. You, it's hard to continually make that climb and then, you know, always have it break down. Um, you know, you see it in sports all the time, and, and it's, it's, it's going to be tough. I thought their title window was already closed going into this season. I said if they like said, didn't it, win it's, last it's cracked. Year, that would be it. it might be cracked, but open a little bit. But it's not wide open. It's not like a guarantee mm-hmm. they're going to get anywhere. We could obviously see them have a bad year, mm-hmm. but um, I would say it's it's very close. I did think they would win the National League pennant, though. I think they. I thought they would get to the World Series, but. Their title chances, I, I just didn't see it because they won 106 games this year and they were the best team during the regular season because Kershaw was elite. And if Kershaw's not elite in the playoffs, they're not going to be either. I mean, their success is intertwined with his. On the other side, though, I am happy to see a franchise like Washington do what they did and get onto the NLCS. They'll meet St. Louis there, which I'm excited to see because I don't think anyone expected those two teams to be at this point in the season. But the Nationals are on to the NLCS for the first time since 1981 when they were based in Montreal, and they were the Expos. That's why I came in my Expos jersey here today. Oh, I, I just thought it was just, you know, I, I picture, say it. I'm not going to say it. I, I give you. <laughs> I mean, you wear a different jersey every day. I like jerseys. Uh, I'm I, a jersey you're guy. You're a jersey guy. I, I would like to see your closet. You seem like you have a nice collection. I do. I, I'm proud of it. You yeah, bet. Yeah. But I tell you what, that's why I wore it today because I have in front of me the lineup from Game 1 of the 1981 NLCS back uh, in uh, in uh, October 13, 1981, when the Nationals were the Expos. And this is how they lined up that night for Game 1 of that series. Tim Raines was in left field and led off. Rodney Scott batted second and played second. Andre Dawson in center field batted third. The catcher, Gary Carter, was fourth. Larry Parrish was fifth at third base. Warren Cromartie played first base and hit sixth. Jerry White was in right field hitting seventh. Chris Spear, the shortstop, batted eighth. And Bill Gullickson pitched and hit ninth. That was the lineup the last time the Nationals slash Expos were in the NLCS. Mm. 1981. They played the Dodgers that night. On the other side, Dusty Baker was in that lineup. Mike Sosha. You recognize a lot of, names. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of names you kind of look back and, and a lot of names that went on to do good things in the sport even after they got done playing. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's a, that's a long time, though. Yeah. That, was, that was before before I was even born. So um, the, the Nationals are kind of one of those teams you can kind of get behind if you're just like a, a you know, not a, not a diehard baseball fan. Right. You know, they're one of those teams that you, you, you want to see do well because, you know, they snuck in there and, and things like that and, 
you know, I, I, I'm trying not to root for the Yankees. I no, really am not. Anybody but the Yankees at this point. Yeah, it's, it's hard, though, because I like, I, I don't know. I know oh, the history. God. I know people hate the Yankees, whatever, but you got you to gotta enjoy watching them play. I know they just they just kind of dismantled your twins, but I like I like big hitters. I like those big names. Playing in, in the Big Apple, is, it doesn't get much bigger than that in baseball. I could be a Rays guy. I could find myself yeah. being a Rays guy. Yeah, another one of those teams, kind of like the Nationals, mm-hmm. where you know they're not really supposed to be there, but they got a lot of fun talent and things like that, and and you wouldn't you wouldn't hate to see them do well. Mm-hmm. Lowest payroll in baseball. In fact, they lost sixteen million dollars from last year to this year, mm-hmm. and they won six more games. They won ninety six games because they're that innovative as a manager, uh, as a managerial staff led by Kevin Cash. They are that good with what they do, and they don't let money restrict their ability to succeed. I have in front of me tonight maybe my favorite stat of the day because I said on Monday when the two teams played that Garrett uh, Zach Grinky, excuse me, was the starting pitcher for Houston that day, out earned the entire starting nine in the Rays batting lineup that just shellacked him, just bounced him from the game by about nine million dollars tonight. The total salary. Of the nine Astros in the starting lineup is five times more than the total starting nine in the Rays lineup tonight. $82,850,810 is the total salary of the nine Astros batters in tonight's lineup. Five times more than the Rays at $16,403,190. I would love to see a statement be made that says you can't buy a World Series. Right. Right, and those players who are playing for less money, mm-hmm. you know, they, those are the type of players that play, you know, they're more determined, more motivated, play with heart and things like that. Um, it, it's, it's, it, it, is a, it is a cool underlying story, and it's something that, you know, you want to keep in the back of your head. Um, because, yeah, people, people, especially people like your average person, mm-hmm. likes to see kind of the underdog when it comes to even the payroll thing. Players making less money go out there and, and do it. And, and, yeah, it would be kind of a statement like, hey, you can go spend all this money, but that, that doesn't guarantee you anything. Mm-hmm. And that, mean, you know, that means you know, it, it comes back to having to go and draft and develop players and things like that. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool stat. Even so, I don't think that they're going to win tonight. I'm not saying <laughs> that I'm rooting against them, but how do you have Grinky, Verlander, and Cole Three straight elimination games and lose all of them. I just can't see it. Mm-mm. I just can't see it happening. No, nope. that's why that guy bet three point five million. <laughs> the furniture guy from Houston. He's, he's looking to make some money. Well, I tell you what, we owe you our first time out. We'll get into some pickup next because Week Six of the NFL season starts tonight. Plus, we're going to play Would You Rather NFL Quarterback Edition. All that and more coming up throughout the show next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along Thursday afternoon. Week 6 of the NFL season kicks off tonight, and that means it's time to get our pick'em picks in. I tell you what. I am 16 and 9, first place, five weeks into the year. Ryan Steegs, 15 and 10. Jake's 14 and 11. Tyree Smith, 13 and 12. John Michael Hoefling, 12 and 13. Mm. So we're all in a pack with each other. Not a lot of separation here through the first five weeks of the season. But here are the five games we're picking on this week, Jake. I've got my five picks. I want to get yours. And it starts tonight with Thursday night football Giants at Patriots. I'm going to go with New England on this one. It's a shocker, a real shock, but, yeah. but honestly, if, if the Giants were healthy, I would I would 
entertain the thought of picking the Giants. Really? I would entertain if they had Barkley, if they had Ingram. Um, I like Daniel Jones as a quarterback. If they had Sterling Shepard, um, who else is out? They probably have a lot more guys out. I don't really keep they track. They also have the backup running back, Wayne Gallman, out. See, so see, they're down to their third-string running see, back for tonight. If, if they were somehow to pull this off tonight, where would that rank in the biggest upsets ever? <laughs> probably right behind the Giants' Super Bowl win when they were going 16-0 and or whatever. But, but yeah, th- this is no-brainer Patriots. Yeah, see, that's why the Giants are winning tonight, because Eli Manning's not playing. Right, maybe they maybe they bring him out. Maybe surprise, surprise. He slays the mighty if, Tom Brady dragon. What if right? What if right before the game, they're like, actually, we're going to start Eli. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Do you think that would mess with their their heads a little bit? I maybe don't know. a little bit, but not enough to do anything. <laughs> right, right. That Giants defense is going to just get torn apart tonight. <laughs> I, I hope so for my fantasy team's sake. <laughs> About Seattle at Cleveland, that can be heard here Sunday on ESPN UP with pregame starting at noon. I'm not high on the Browns, obviously, nope. with what they did last. You know, they they came out and looked like absolute trash against mm-hmm. San Fran on Monday night. I have no confidence in what they're doing. Baker Mayfield looking like he's taking ju- just massive steps back this year. It's really hard, you know. But they're one of those teams, though, mm-hmm. that could explode because they have that type of talent. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go against the Browns on this yeah. one. I, I got to. I, you know, it looks like Odell Beckham almost misses Eli a little bit. Like, he's just a couple of bad games away from saying that he's not happy in right. Cleveland. He starts becoming a diva there, too. I could see that happening. And and obviously, Russell Wilson playing extremely, extremely mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, MVP type. Is level. he the MVP favorite right now? I would say right now, I don't see. You could definitely argue. I don't see why. I don't think you're wrong to say it. You know what I mean? He's he's done a lot more with less. And, you know, it's, it's year after year, and that team's overachieving i would say i don't think anyone's you know they're they're good but mm-hmm. their run game is not as dominant right and he's making it work mm-hmm. so you got to give him credit how about a big battle in the nfc west you have san fran at la taking on the rams mm-hmm. we might find out if this 49er team is for real or not it's one of the more ex- game more one of the games i'm most excited about mm-hmm. uh coming up and i'm gonna go with the rams all right all right rams at home how about steelers at chargers on sunday night football with the Steelers quarterback, you know, Devlin I, Hodges. Yeah, who? I gotta, I gotta go. I'm gonna go with the Chargers. Did the Steelers have a major fight in practice yesterday? Probably. I think Cam Hayward and some. Yeah, they had like major tensions yesterday. I, I haven't been able to confirm that, but I know a few writers out in Pittsburgh because you know I follow the Penguins, and they were talking about tempers just massively flaring in the Steelers practice yesterday. Mm. But I feel like we'd hear more about that if it was really as bad as they say it was. I don't know. I'm, I'm still digging in to right. see if that's true or not. And then finally, Monday night football. You're already smiling. Lions at Packers. I'm right. I'm, I've been looking forward to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Green Bay. I think this is going to be a close game. Obviously, uh, the, it's going to be huge for the division right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, the Lions have won four straight. Let's, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. They've had a lot of success versus Green Bay. Uh, they looked very impressive uh, against Kansas City. That defense forcing turnovers, punching the ball away from receivers. Uh, the D line playing better. You know, coming into the season, we thought the Lions D line would be one of the best in the league, and they're they're starting to come around a little bit. Matt Stafford's been playing really well. Galladay's the you know an elite receiver playing really well. They're coming off a bye week. You know, everything's pointing for Detroit to kind of come in and maybe maybe make some noise. And I I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Mm-hmm. But I just think right now, if, if they get Devontae back the way Aaron Jones looked, that defense play, coming back around and playing like they played in the first three weeks of the season, mm-hmm. um, and 
and, and you know, they, they just keep getting better. That offense keeps getting better, and that defense keeps creating turnovers. i got to go Green Bay. All right, coming off a big win over Dallas. Yeah, I hope they don't. Reason. I, you know, and you, sometimes we see teams make get a big win and then come out flat, but let's hope that they can hold it down at home uh, against a division rival. So you, Ryan Stieg, and myself are all picking the same five teams this weekend, so we're all kind of Wait. unanimous in that sense. Who picked? Did somebody pick? Like, I don't know. No one's picking the Giants. Somebody, nobody's John, John picking Mike, John, John Michael. Hopefully, is going friend. with the Lions. Oh, he is going with the, the Lions, Lions okay. on Monday Night Football. And Tyree just sent me his picks. I checked in with him as well. Mm-hmm. He has New England, Seattle, San Fran, the Chargers, and the Lions. Okay. He originally said Green Bay. They changed it to the Lions. Mm. No, he's gonna. He's gonna. Hope he didn't do that. <laughs> That's a coin flip, yeah, I tell it, you it what. Yeah, a coin flip. Well, I tell you what, before we get to the break, sticking with football, this was a story that came out earlier this week out of Penn State. And, you know, it's a, somewhat of a feel-good story. It turned into a feel-good story, and we haven't had a lot of those out of Penn State the last few years. But a particular running back there, Jonathan Sutherland, he's having a great year for them. And they were playing Idaho recently, and he had a good game. You know, Penn State's one of those teams that, it's kind of flying under the radar now. They lost McSorley. They lost Miles Sanders. People weren't expecting a lot from them, and yet there they are. They're still doing pretty good. Well, Jonathan um, got a letter from a Penn State alumnus. Him and his wife were critical of this young man's dreadlocks. And I have the letter in front of me, and I'll read this here on air. It says, Dear Jonathan, my wife and I are proud, quote, older graduates of Penn State. We follow all Penn State sports, football, wrestling, volleyball, gymnastics, basketball. We love it all. I played all the sports in my younger days, still played half-court basketball into my 50s, loved the competition, but never had the size or the talent to uh, to reach your level, though the desire was there. Though the athletes of today are certainly superior to those in my days, we miss the clean-cut young men and women from those days. Watching the Idaho game on TV, we couldn't help but notice your, well, awful hair. Surely there must be mirrors in the locker room. Don't you have parents or a girlfriend who have told you that shoulder-length dreadlocks look disgusting and are certainly not attractive? We congratulate you on your game against Pitt, but you need to remember you represent all Penn Staters, both current and those alumnus from years past. We would welcome the reappearance of dress codes for athletes. You will certainly be playing on Sunday in the future. But we have stopped watching the NFL due to the disgusting tattoos, awful hair, and immature antics in the end zone. Players should act as though they've, quote, been there before. For the glory, I don't know what this guy's signature says, but... What does that mean, that they've been there before? What does that have to do with anything of your appearance? I think everybody has their own opinion as far as what that means. But I tell you what, this was just amazing that we have people in 2019 that <laughs> think this that are so old school like mm-hmm. that and you know what uh, i don't want to throw in you know calling something racist and a newspaper out in that area did reach out to the person who wrote this letter to ask if any of this uh came about in regards to jonathan sutherland's race because he is an african-american and the response from the writer was, it has nothing to do with race. We just don't want our athletes turning into those at Miami or Florida State. Mm. So we take shots at those schools as well. And to Jonathan Sutherland's credit, he wrote back really an outstanding response to him. He kept it classy. He was polite. And he just he answered it as well as you could have. And I give him a lot of credit for that. 
you know, and I'm not saying it was a racist thing. I mean, racially insensitive, is that the right word? Like not intending to be racist? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's not my place to say, but it certainly isn't appropriate for right. 2019. I mean, the first, I thought it was, you know, when I first read it and I didn't, I didn't really know the story. Um, this guy, the, the letter came from a, a Penn State graduate who, who graduated in 1966. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, back then, there's a lot of race racism happening back then and things like that. And, um, you know, right when I read it, I was like, this has to be from a really old person. Because mm-hmm. it, 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 I thought it was a, you know, it's like, is this a racist? Then you, re- you read it, it's, it's written in a way where it almost feels like, they don't really understand what they're saying. Right. I feel like you know it what I mean? wasn't it's, intended it's, to be racist. It was like kind of a nice letter. Yeah. But like the way what they were talking about was kind of racist. It was I polite, mean, but it was insensitive. Yeah. So, yeah, it's coming from an older writer and, um, you know, things like that. Obviously, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Mm-hmm. Why did you have to write that and send it right to him? Do you think he's going to show up next week with his hair chopped off? <laughs> You know, keep your opinions to yourself. Um, but yeah, for for the fact that they wrote it and sent it to him, I, I was just like, this is kind of this is ridiculous. I, I give credit to him for obviously writing Matt back and taking the higher ground. But man, I don't know. That's just it's 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 just I just can't believe like people are still out there thinking like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and um, the only time I ever questioned dreadlocks and things like that was when people were getting tackled by them. Yeah. And then it's like, wait. You know, it might be better off if you don't have your ha- hair hanging. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I I don't like the hair. It's like you do you. That's right. how how I am. Well, you how you dress, how you look, and things like that. That has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. How you perform on the field is what I'm kind of worried about. And if you're you're balling out, I don't care. But yeah, just weird. It's weird. Good for him for stepping up. And and I just feel like if you have an opinion like that, do you really need to share it with? Right. Send a, type up a letter. Like write a letter and then find where you send an address to and then send mm-hmm. it to him. It just makes no sense. You go through all that trouble to do that. I mean, it just, I don't get why you would do something like that. I really don't. And I don't know what the motivation was behind it. I'm not saying the writer was racist or even people who think that way are. Just, what's the point of doing that? It wasn't smart. It wasn't, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Educated, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you read between the lines, I, I, it almost feels racist I, to me, mm-hmm. just off the jump. I mean, that's my opinion, um, just because normally African-Americans are the ones who have dreadlocks and mm-hmm. things like that. So I don't know. It, it, it's just something that, that didn't need to happen. And, um, you know, it's just old ways of thinking in my, my eyes. I tell you what, before we go to the break, a couple things on baseball because I neglected to put this up earlier. In regards to Clayton Kershaw, I ran a really unofficial survey on Twitter. I did a Twitter poll about an hour and a half ago because there is an actual debate going on right now whether Clayton Kershaw would be a Hall of Famer if he retired today. I know where I stand on the issue, but I wanted to get some real reaction to it. And if Clayton Kershaw retired today, is he a Hall of Famer? 37% 37% say he is a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retired today. 58% say he is a Hall of Famer, but he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. And there was actually 5% of the audience who does not believe Kershaw is a Hall of Famer. Mm. But overwhelmingly, the majority voted for a Hall of Famer, but not first ballot. I think he's a first ballot. Do you? I, I think so. Yeah? I think his his career work um, is great. Obviously, you know, the postseason... Mm-hmm. You know the real great ones probably do a little better in the postseason, but you can't deny what he's done right over a decade of dominance. That title would cement it 
right. or at least that, having that, a good postseason stretch would probably. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it's and it's just because it's so fresh mm-hmm. in people's minds. Obviously, it just happened last night. So give it some time, let it boil down, and then you really start dissecting what he has accomplished and how dominant he's been. It's hard to you know you don't see a lot of guys like that. By the way, in a surprise move today, the Philadelphia Phillies fired Gabe Kapler as manager after two seasons. So another managerial job is open. Who does that attract? Where does Gabe Kapler, former Milwaukee Brewer, go from here? Let's take a timeout. When we come back, would you rather quarterback edition next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along this Thursday afternoon. Programming note. Don't forget tonight, we'll have Game 5, the ALDS. Winner take all from Minute Maid Park as the Rays take on the Astros. Winner on to take on the Yankees in the ALCS. Pre-game at 6.30 and first pitch is set for 7.07 here in ESPN-UP. Here's your Sports Center update. The NFL has upheld the season-long suspension of Orlando Raiders linebacker, Orlando Raiders, Oakland Raiders linebacker Vontez Burfick denying his appeal yesterday. Atlanta Braves catcher Brian McCann announces his retirement from professional baseball. He exits with uh, seven career all-star appearances and six silver sluggers. And finally, Goodyear is listing their iconic Goodyear blimp on Airbnb. You can spend a night in the blimp for $150. You want to spend a night in the blimp? I don't know. kind of sounds cool. It does sound cool, but blimps kind of freak me out, man. Like, is it up in the air when you're sleeping, or is it parked on the ground? Or how, how Now that, that I think about it, it's probably parked on the ground. <laughs> but when I first, when I, you just first said that, I was thinking, like, yeah, you're floating in the air. It costs extra if you actually want to be in the air. Yeah, I mean, blimps kind of freak me out, man. You've heard really? like really tragic stories of blimps just lighting up. It's the same thing with hot air balloons. I can't I would say I've never, never get, been in a blimp. I've never been in a blimp, hot air balloon. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> flying enu- is enough for me. I'm not a big fan of flying or I mean, heights or anything. You know, I, it is. Heights scare me to mm-hmm. death, so I only fly when I really have to. Right. I'm not like joy tripping mm-hmm. to fly. You know what I mean? I don't set myself up to have to fly every other week. It's not happening. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along. We're going to play Would You Rather with NFL quarterbacks, and then I've got something to get off my chest. I'm going to go on a rant here to end the show. But for now, we're going to talk quarterbacks. So what I have here, Jake, is I've got a list of 12 NFL quarterbacks, and they all came into the league within the last three years. Almost all of them are starting quarterbacks, so it's a pretty you know fair ground-based thing. I've got them divided into four pools of three each, I'm going to have you go head-to-head with each of them, and we'll finally figure out which one you would feel most comfortable basing your franchise around. Now, disclaimer, Pat Mahomes is not in this, because mm. that would be cheating. Mm. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes. <laughs> so I tell you what, Group A, our first matchup, would you rather build your franchise around, whatever franchise it is, Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray. Okay. Would you rather have Dwayne Haskins or Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson. All right. Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray? Keep in mind, injury, injury proneness, whatever. I don't think that's a word, but that's kind of a term. <laughs> I'm going to go Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Even with the injury anyway. history. All right. So Deshaun Watson wins Group A for you. Group B, first matchup, Josh Allen or Daniel Jones? Ooh. Hmm. I do like Josh Allen. I like the way he can run. You know, he mm-hmm. he he's not like a prolific passer, mm-hmm. 
by any means. But I just I'm impressed with Daniel Jones. I know he hasn't really played that much, but I just think he has all the tools you want. He's a big body, big strong arm. Will drop back if he gets protection. He can really pick your pick your uh, defense apart. And Josh Allen hasn't shown he's been very accurate. Um, so just based on the pass accuracy and and the more traditional stuff, I know Josh Allen's probably more athletic and can rush. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go Daniel Jones just all because right. I talked myself into it. Matchup number two in this group: Josh Allen or Josh Rosen. Josh Allen. Okay. And then Daniel Jones or Josh Rosen? Daniel Jones. All right. So Daniel Jones wins Group B for you. Group C, would you go Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield? Just based on right now yeah. and what, you know, it's fresh in my head, and Baker doesn't look good. I'm not saying he's a bust by any means, but I mean, I know what you mean. 19 games into his career, I don't know if he's good or not. I think, you know, honestly, I think it's that offensive line for Baker, and I Could think be. he's seeing ghosts. I mean, mm-hmm. he's really rushing things. He's not staying in the pocket, and he's he just doesn't, you know, he's having a hard time figuring out defenses. And he's not quick at the NFL level. Right. He was quick at Oklahoma. He could scramble out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. Their guy's a lot faster and stronger chasing him here exactly. in the NFL. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm still up in the air with Baker. I'm going to go Lamar Jackson. Okay. He's, a, he's just a freak athlete. Lamar Jackson or Gardner Minshew? Come on, bro. <laughs> I knew this was going to be in The here. greatest quarterback to ever <laughs> walk the face of this God-created earth. Gardner Minshew, he's been, he's been impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not even supposed to be playing this year. I have to go Lamar Jackson just because, you know, you get some good receivers out there and Lamar's dual threat. All right. Then for second place in the group, Baker or Gardner? Come on, man. Oh, come on. Is it really a choice? Yes. Is it really? I mean, mean, right now, I like what Baker can do. I like his attitude and I like, you know, when he's on, he's on. Mm Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know if Gardner Minshew is going to be around that long. He's been playing pretty (laughs) decent. I'm going to go Gardner Minshew just for you. Oh, thank you. He can start somewhere next year. He could. He could. Either him or Nick I just want to see it consistently. How about Group D? First matchup, Kyle Allen, who stepped in and seemingly saved the Panthers' season, maybe Ron Rivera's job, or Sam Darnold, a guy in his 20s getting a high school disease. Kyle Allen or Sam Darnold? (laughs) Um, I, I do like what Kyle Allen's doing. I think... You know, I just watched Christian McCaffrey highlights last night. Mm. This guy's Why a monster. Would you do that? I don't know. It was just I was just on YouTube, and I'm like, this guy's killing it. <laughs> I was like, I got to really see what this guy's all about. And okay. like, oh my goodness, Christian McCaffrey's a beast. <laughs> that helps Kyle Allen a little bit. Okay. Sam Darnold, I kind of forgot what he's how he plays, man. Yeah. I haven't seen him, but I have to go Sam Darnold. I think the potential's there. Okay, Kyle Allen or Mitch Trubisky. I'm I'm a huge. Mm. I don't like Mitch Trubisky. I just don't think he has the arm. Pro I'm, Bowler last year. Although last, that doesn't mean anything anymore. No, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go Kyle Allen. <laughs> How about Sam Darnold or Mitch Trubisky? Sam Darnold. Okay, so Darnold wins Group Four. So your four group winners: Deshaun Watson, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, and Sam Darnold. Huh. So out of that group, do you have a favorite? The two New York quarterbacks: Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. So this is to build around. To build around, because I do believe there's one that's clearly more talented than the others, but he's certainly more injury prone. Right, and that's probably Deshaun Watson. That's Deshaun Watson. I was going to say Deshaun Watson just because he's really good when he's healthy mm-hmm. and he has some time to sit back there and, you know, he can run. He has a really good arm. I don't know if we have a, another quarterback. Like, Lamar can run, mm-hmm. but his arm's not necessarily there. Right. 
So I do like Deshaun Jackson out of the group, but I really I, I do like Daniel Jones. Do you really? I do. Would you take him over Deshaun Watson? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't, but I'm I'm a big fan of Daniel Jones. I think they got a lot. Gettleman got a lot of, of heat for that pick, but mm-hmm. um, I just like what I've been seeing. He, he's just so cool. He's, he's just Danny Dimes, dude. Danny Dimes. He's just so cool under pressure, doesn't let anything affect him. He just has that mentality of even if he makes a mistake, he's not going to dwell on it, and he's just going to continue trudging forward, and I, I just like that. I'm worried for him tonight. Tonight, I hope he survives. No matter what <laughs> happens tonight, I don't think you're anyone gonna see him can hold tonight's you're, performance against you him. You can't. You can't. You just hope he doesn't get hurt mm. and you know his confidence doesn't get shook Shook-y. put in eli for this game <laughs> you can't do that to a, uh, eli manning just <laughs> send him to the wolves then you're not gonna play daniel we're gonna throw you can you can you imagine if you said that no and, and no, what eli's face would look like you can't do that you can't do that let's just hope he that he he does something i hope it's a decent game i know it's not gonna be just hope he doesn't throw a bunch of picks. So what if I could guarantee you that you would get Daniel Jones at peak health, he'd never get hurt throughout his career, never suffer a major injury, or Deshaun Watson with the question marks surrounding his health? Would that change your answer? It It's hard because Daniel Jones, you just haven't you just don't know what you got. Right. I know what I got with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And I know he's one of the better quarterbacks when he's you know he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I like Deshaun Watson. He's just a winner, man. I gotta yeah. go Deshaun Watson. He played at Clemson, took down Bama. You he know, did? I just I just mm-hmm. like what he I like what he stands for. I okay. like I like him. All right, so Deshaun Watson is the guy you're picking out of those twelve guys that are all within their first three years in the NFL. I didn't throw Drew Locke in there because we haven't seen him. So let me extend it a little bit to fourth year guys going up against your three year champion. Would you take Dak Prescott over Deshaun Watson? No. No. Good answer. Even <laughs> though he's been to the Pro Bowl two out of his first three years, again, the Pro Bowl doesn't but mean look anything. What he, look who it surrounds him. He has the best <laughs> offensive line, the best running back in the league, really good defense, mm-hmm. and he's still str- struggling because he, he makes mistakes. Another fourth-year guy, Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz? Ooh. Yeah, that's a little tougher. Ooh. I feel like they're similar because they both get hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think Carson Wentz has a better shot of getting injured more than Deshaun. I'm going to go Deshaun over there. That, right. one, that one's really close. Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes? Let's throw him in here now. you got to go Pat Mahomes. you got to. you got to. Deshaun Watson's right there, mm-hmm. but Pat Mahomes is one of those talents you, you're not going to get a lot. You're no. not going to see a lot. So, yeah, Pat Mahomes. It would be interesting to see if we revisit this segment a year from now to see how much that quarterback group has changed because this year's quarterback class looks like it could be a lot of fun once they get to the NFL. Jake Fromm, Joe Burrow, maybe Tua, if he can start the trend as being a successful left-handed quarterback. I mean, there could be some really good quarterbacks in the NFL next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a huge a huge fan of Jake Fromm out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. If at somehow Green Bay somehow made the top 15 and could pick pick him up to succeed Aaron I would be okay with that just because I like his leadership skills. Um, and he's just one of those those guys, you know. He, he fits that. He's just a tough guy, very smart, and I just like what he's, he's about. He hasn't been able to win that big one in college, mm-hmm. but I just like him as a quarterback. So I, I'm really high on Jake Fromm. I think to a I, I don't know left-handed quarterbacks Lefty. are such a huge gamble. Obviously, right, and he, he's a playmaker. He, mm-hmm. He's athletic and things, but. If you're not guaranteed success, you can't pick him number one. It's mm-hmm. it's tough. And uh yeah, left handed I don't know what it is with left handers, but 
you said the history has shown that they haven't been successful. So I'm up in the air with Tua. Yeah. He could be really good, or he could just be a mediocre. He could be like a Marcus Mariota, Jameis mm-hmm. Winston type of type of quarterback. And just, those might be the guys that he succeeds after. This <laughs> exactly. Year. You know, there's the, you know just decent quarterbacks where it's it's hard to get to say you, you're not our quarterback. You've got to keep you in. I tell you what, though, I am with you on Jake Fromm because you look at not only what he's done on the field, but who he's won the battle from. Jacob Eason was the starter when Jake Fromm got there. Even when uh, Eason got healthy again, he beat him out after just one game as his backup. And Eason's now at Washington. He's doing pretty good there. They're having a pretty good year. And then Justin Fields is lighting it up at Ohio State, and he was Fromm's backup for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that just goes to show the, the competitiveness that he has in him. He's not afraid to go to one of those bigger colleges and kind of work and, and take the starting job. You know, he sent a lot of guys places because you know he he was the guy he was the alpha there so mm-hmm. um and i forget there was a netflix show he was on i, I don't remember what it was jake from mm-hmm. and you know i i liked him even when he was back in high school the way he was a leader and and he's just one of those guys that can control a room mm-hmm. and guys will kind of surround and and lift him up just because he has that type of personality so i like him as a leader i think bringing him into your locker room will definitely set your team up for success so if i'm a gm i'm looking hard at jake from Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Saying goodbye to Jake a little bit early today here before we go to the break. I appreciate you as always, my man. What do you have going on at Local 3? Uh, so right now we're just kind of trekking through the high school football season, obviously with the sports zone, but I just signed on to um, be a spokesperson for the Real Youpers Wear Pink mm-hmm. campaign. And what I'm doing through the month of October is I'm wearing pink at every 6 and 11 o'clock sportscast in, in support. And I'm also I also started a fundraiser online. Um, it's with the American Cancer Society. It's uh, linked or pinned at the top of our Facebook page and Twitter page, Local 3, WJMN Local 3. And all you do is you go click on click on the link and you can donate any sort of money. You know, We're not asking for a lot. My goal is to get $5,000 and I'm going to do, I think, two or three fundraisers throughout this month as well to kind of raise money. Um, so we're trying to get reach 5K. Um, and yeah, if you want to go and, and help support the cause, obviously every it's not just breast breast cancer; it's it's cancer in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone's um, been affected by that in some way, whether it be a, a relative or a friend or or anything like that. So um, definitely, it's, it's just for a good cause and just something that I'm uh, passionate about. And and I just want to you know help out and do my part with the platform I have. So um, if you want to donate, like I said, go onto our Facebook page or our Twitter page. Jake Duran of Local Three, be sure to help him out and. Help out a cause that's probably going to help out a loved one uh, as well because cancer, again, does affect all of us. Check them out, Local 3 here in Marquette. Let's take a time out to finish the show. I'm about to go off, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to feel really good to get off my chest. Next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you've missed any part of our show today, get caught up on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore Store, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com. My thanks to Jake Durant for being with me today and for understanding that I had something I had to get off my chest here in the final minutes of our show. I've got a little bit of a rant to go on. And it's in regards to what's happened this week between the NBA and the Chinese government. My listeners know the story. If you don't, Daryl Morey, general manager of the Houston Rockets, issued a tweet last Friday criticizing the Chinese government for the way they have handled the Hong Kong protests. The tweet was quickly deleted after social media backlash from the Chinese population and the Chinese government. 
The Rockets distanced themselves from their GM. The NBA put out a statement saying that while they didn't necessarily condone Maury's tweet, that many people in China were offended by Maury's words. But they were not going to discipline him any further because they believe in the fundamental right to freedom of speech and allowing coaches to use their platform as a means of expressing issues that are important to them. So while the NBA didn't condemn Maury, they didn't condemn China either. It's been a turbulent week in regards to China and the NBA's relationship because there's a really good economic relationship between the two. The NBA is very popular in China. They're having preseason games there this week. They had one earlier this morning. And about 10 hours before tip-off, they didn't know if this game was going to take place or not. Because there's been so much backlash, including the Chinese State Broadcasting Service refused to air the game. They did end up playing the game earlier today in the Nets 1, 114-111 over the Lakers. But they did sand off the NBA logos that were painted on the court. They canceled media availability. It was a tense scene. And we still have another preseason game to be played there on Saturday. Here's why this has bothered me so much this week. Because nobody from the NBA is taking a stand against what's happening in China. They're not condemning Daryl Morey, because maybe they silently agree with him. But they're not going to say it publicly because of cowardice and hypocrisy. Because there's too much to lose from an economic standpoint. A single tweet from an executive, not a player or a coach, an executive nearly cost the NBA thousands of dollars from China and their Chinese markets over there. It probably did cost them a significant amount of money. And because they want to avoid further losses, the NBA is staying quiet. Representatives from the NBA, players, coaches, personnel alike, are staying quiet on the issue. Steve Kerr, head coach of the Golden State Warriors, not afraid to speak his mind on any political issue. Ranges from racial equality to gun violence. Yesterday he was asked about the situation in China. And he said that he needs to learn more about what's going on before he makes a public statement. I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, you might not agree with Steve Kerr on every issue. But he is educated. He knows about the issues. He's done his homework. And I tell you what, that's one of the biggest cop-outs I ever heard from him. That right there made me lose so much respect for Steve Kerr. Turned him into a coward. Because he is so educated on issues regarding human rights, as he's proven in the past, he knows darn well what's going on in China right now. But because he stands to lose money, because money's coming out of his pocket, and he's going to be seeing less green, he's shutting up. Greg Popovich, head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, he's the same way, has an opinion on every political and social issue. You might not always agree with it, but he is a smart man. He does his homework. He knows what he's talking about. He didn't condemn China. All he did in his statement was praise the way Adam Silver responded to the situation. Yesterday, Golden State Warriors guard Stephen Curry, in response to remarks the president made about Kerr, and Popovich said that he doesn't know enough about Chinese history to have an opinion on what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, that's BS. That's BS. Because the average human being, all you got to do is check the news, social media, every once in a blue moon, knows what's going on in China. 
freedom of religion, freedom of speech. Those are two of our fundamental rights here, guaranteed by the First Amendment. There are people being put in concentration camps in China by the government for violating those two freedoms, which, again, they may not be Chinese freedoms. And that leads people to say, well, the U.S. should just stay out of it. We should just mind our own business. We should have done that in the Middle East, some say. I'm not asking us to go into China, invade them, and force our beliefs on them. Not by any stretch. But if human rights matter to you as much as you claim that they do, Popovich, Kerr, Curry, all you got to do is denounce a foreign government. You denounce your own government so often, every chance you get. But you won't take a swipe at a foreign government. Literally putting people in concentration camps for having an opinion that differs from the state because you stand to lose a few dollars. That's cowardice. That is being a hypocrite. My hope here is that LeBron James will make a statement condemning the Chinese government. Because LeBron has a platform that very few, if any, athletes have ever had. I don't think that's going to come for a couple of days because, again, the Lakers were involved in the preseason game this morning. I'm not even sure if LeBron is back in America by now. And we still have another preseason game there on Saturday. So while there are NBA representatives and American citizens in China, I don't know that we're going to hear anybody say anything publicly. And that will be the argument. That's the argument for those defending the NBA. That's why no one's saying anything. Because if they do... Our people in China right now will face more than economic consequences. You could be putting them in danger physically. That's the whole point, ladies and gentlemen. This is a government that puts its own people's safety in danger. You're living in physical fear of the government and being put into a work camp if you don't agree with them. That's the whole point of Daryl Morey's tweet. Even before the preseason games in China started. This has been going on for a long time. It's been known for a long time that China is not a free country. China is under communist rule. And that it's not a place that tolerates open-mindedness. This is nothing new. And yet, can you recall an executive, a player, a coach ever saying anything bad about the Chinese government? I'll wait. While you pull it up, I'll wait. While you try to think of somebody, because you won't, let me play you some Will Kane audio, because I think Will hits it right on the head. If your position has been, man, you can have things you fight for, your principles, your morals, but you're not allowed to do it on your employer's dime, you're not allowed to do it when it impacts your employer's business, I understand that. But if you have been selling to me for years that if you have a platform, you must use it, that if you have a microphone or a Twitter profile, you must speak from the heart, if you have been a speak truth to power in all instances person, if you have been telling me for years that you stand for social justice and progress and truth, and if you've built a league in the NBA's case, one that supposedly differentiates itself based upon these concepts, I want to know what you're doing now. I want to know what you're doing when the rubber meets the road. I want to know what you're doing when the money is on the table. I've been sermonized to about racial justice only to find that you have multitudes of pictures in your past wearing blackface. And I was told that you're more than an athlete. I was told that 
Stars won't shut up and dribble. They will speak out on things of principle that matters. I was told this was the way it was now. But what it appears to be is that's the way it is when it's easy. That's the way it is when it's popular. That's the way it is when you'll get a bunch of likes on social media. You'll be brave when no one threatens your income. If you wear a t-shirt and warm-ups that raises awareness for social injustice or domestic abuse, if you decide to take a knee during the national anthem because you want to bring awareness to equal rights, if you decide that you're going to skip being honored at the White House because you don't agree with the president's stance on gun control or what's going on at the border, I can respect you for sticking to your beliefs. Whether I agree with them or not, all I ask is that you be consistent. Because the NBA has painted itself as the most progressive sports league in the world, and you've got a real human rights issue staring you right in the face, and you're going to keep quiet about it because you could lose a few thousand dollars. Millionaires and billionaires don't want to lose a drop in the bucket because they don't want to lose their Chinese business interests. I'm not saying the NBA hasn't done some great things when it comes to social justice and human rights. Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, Steph Curry, they've all done things to help humans gain equality. What I'm saying is this situation makes it look like they're not doing it for the right reasons. Those three, among others in the NBA, protesting for various causes, some of which I feel very strongly about, and I love their work and what they've done to raise awareness for it. But what it makes them look like is a kid who goes on a youth mission trip just so he can take a picture with some villagers, some people that are less fortunate than him, and turn it into Instagram likes. That's what it looks like when you do all this for social justice, scoring points with your own base, with the woke culture, but then look at a problem in a place where you have business interest and say, we're going to be shush-shush about this. I don't know enough about what's going on. I don't know if China's a bad place or not. I don't know what their government is like. You know. You know. If you've turned on the news at any point since the Tiananmen Square incident, you know. You know. When money is on the line, true motives come out. The U.S. Congress has penned a letter to the NBA. It calls for them to suspend operations in China, to publicly condemn the Chinese government's actions, among other things. The politicians and lawmakers who signed this letter include Senators Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Senator Ron Wyden, Senator Tom Malinowski, among others. But just in that group alone, you have polar opposites of the political spectrum coming together to tell you to do the right thing. This is not a partisan issue. If your main goal really is to benefit human life, not just score points with the woke culture, this is a slam dunk for you. This is a no-brainer. And in the coming days, we're going to find out what matters more to the NBA. 
social justice, as they've branded themselves for many years, or cash. I had to get that off my chest. I appreciate you letting me do so. I'm excited to see how this pans out in the coming days. I tell you what, with that, we're out of time. Don't forget, we'll have baseball this evening here on ESPN-UP. Astros Rays, it'll be a fun one. 6.30 pregame, 7.07 first pitch on ESPN-UP and online with our app. I'm back on tomorrow, same time and place. It's my hope you join me. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoop, signing off from ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.